The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all this, and they ridiculed Jesus. So he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of others, but God knows your hearts. For what is prized by human beings is an abomination in the sight of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Today we conclude Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 16, and there's much to be gleaned from this final chapter. In the last verse of the entire letter, Paul references the obedience of faith. And he did the very same thing in the very first chapter, verse 5. So we've got two bookends, the obedience of faith, which colors the entire letter. What Paul is saying here is that to be justified, to be saved, is not just a matter of an intellectual faith and empty faith, an abstract faith, but it's a faith that's expressed in obedience, which means expressed in loving deeds. So for St. Paul, it's a both and. Faith and works. Works is part of faith for Paul. Paul never separates obedience and faith, and that's something the Catholic Church never does as well. Second point is that in this final chapter, Paul mentions 26 Roman Christians by name. Sometimes we read this chapter and it's a bit maybe not inspiring because it's like genealogies. But Paul has a specific purpose in doing this. First of all, these names represent diverse cultures, nationalities, racial status. There's Greeks, there's Latins, there's Jews. A third of them are women. What Paul is suggesting is that the gospel and the church is universal. It transcends culture and nationality. It includes everyone. That's why we call it Catholic. It's universal. Paul is also trying to establish strong personal relations with the church he's about to visit. And that's why he names these people. Christianity is not just something that is a set of doctrines. Doctrines are important, but doctrines alone will not communicate very much. Doctrines without people is cold. Christianity is incarnational. God sent his son to take on our very flesh and become one of us. So with the teachings revealed by God, we have the person of Jesus Christ enacting it 
for us. And that, again, tells us something very important about our church, about our family of parishes. We can't just rely on doctrines and teachings. We have to be incarnational with our relationships. So the messenger has to be also part of the message. And that goes for all of us. Our beliefs are necessarily intrinsic to who we are as persons, which is why personal relationships with one another, building friendships across our seven parishes is crucial to proclaiming the gospel. Third point, Paul opens the letter by saying, greet Prisca and Aquila who work with me in Christ Jesus. Greet also the church in their house. Here we have a house church mentioned in Paul's letter, which means that the church was in existence well before the scriptures were written and collated together into a New Testament. And that speaks volumes about who we are as a church. It's not sola scriptura, it's not the Bible alone. It's certainly scripture, but it's also tradition that's passed on through the church, through the apostles and their preaching and the institutions they form in their example. That's why St. Paul says in the earliest letter that he ever wrote, the earliest letter in the entire New Testament, First and Second Thessalonians, Therefore, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. And all that tradition, that oral teaching, predated any scripture. That's why we hold these two together again, both and. We don't separate the two. Finally, in the gospel, Jesus brings it all together because he talks about the use of money. And basically, he says there's something much more important than money, and it's love. That's why he says, no slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The interesting thing about love is the more we give it away, the more it increases. That's the beauty of that highest virtue. When you give money away, you eventually run out. And if you're using it in an illicit way, it actually comes back to bring you into despair, into sin. But love always increases. And again, that's an important point for our family of parishes as we are personally invested in the faith and in each other, and we make love the highest priority in our lives, then the gospel is really communicated. And St. Paul would be happy with our doing that because the Holy Spirit is love, and the Holy Spirit wants us to flourish and build the kingdom of God. So with that, let us thank God for this beautiful letter, and perhaps pick it up once in a while and read the entire letter. It's his most sustained theology, his teaching, but it's all based in love and in personal relationships, not just doctrines.